0: Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. this is paul and welcome to the season two star trek discovery season finale conversation of star trek with Aaron and Polly.
1: oh does this mean it's our season finale as well
0: well we're gonna get to that paul we're gonna get to that don't don't jump ahead paul don't jump ahead oh okay i know you're trying to get to the future where you can solve (laughs) all of our problems but uh, we have we have to marinate in the now
1: Oh, well, I've got a signal from the future. (laughs) I'm trying to track down.
0: Well, you know, if we want to talk about the uh, recent past, I I think some of our listeners might be wondering why we did not release an episode for part one of uh, Such Sweet Sorrow. And you and I had some uh, scheduling complications due to each of our traveling around this great wide world of ours.
1: Correct. Yes. We followed the signals. That's right. I followed mine to Chicago. You followed yours to Washington, D.C.
0: Uh huh. And you were there for uh, Star Wars celebration.
1: Yeah. So I was in Chicago for about a week. Um, it's, it was a five day convention, but I also fit in some additional goodies. I went to uh, see Hamilton while I was out there. Uh, did,
0: you, did you enjoy Hamilton? Oh, yeah.
1: It was great. It was fantastic. It's everything they say and more. <laughs> Um, and then an extra day on the back end just to, you know, fit in some additional goodies, that kind of thing. Um, I, I had a blast. It's funny because, uh you know, here today it's about 82 degrees outside in the good old Virginia Beach. But in Chicago um, on the third day, fourth day of the convention, fourth day of the convention, Sunday, it snowed. It snowed huh. all god dang day um, <laughs> in Chicago. Like hard snow. Like, uh-huh. I was like, ow, okay. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is real snow. Um, you know, I had actually purchased tickets to go to a Cubs game that day. I was going to skip out on Star Wars Celebration, just go for a little bit in the morning and then go to a Cubs game. But uh, Mother Nature said, nay. Dark city. say thee nay. I say thee nay. Uh-huh. Thou must get thyself. To Star Wars Celebration, so I spent another day in the convention center, uh, mostly because you know my, my hotel was attached to the convention center. I, I decided to go with the convenient route. Um, the convenient
0: yet expensive route.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I paid the premium dollar because I'm like, screw it. Yeah, I want to stay there.
0: I paid for one of those hotel connects to the convention centers kinds of things, and ouch.
1: Yeah, it hurts, but damn, is it convenient? It is. We were we were checking into our hotel room, and fricking Warwick Davis walks by us because that's where they put all the uh, the guests and everything too. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say walked by us. He had a he had a segue. He segued by us, um, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, so uh five days, Star Wars Celebration. I had a, a great, great time. I know this is a Star Trek podcast, but I, I love both equally, and um I will I will say Star Wars Celebration, not to be a dick about it, but was significantly more impressive than Star Trek Mission New York. Um
0: well, you know, I wonder how it would shape up to uh, Star Trek Las Vegas because, like Star Wars that's Celebration, yeah. it is a it's a five day event as well. Yeah, and I, I think I've Star Trek been,
1: Las I, Vegas is the one that's the compare. It. Mm-hmm.
0: I have always been afraid of the five day event. I've always I've always feared it. So you know, and you and I had talked previously, like you know, S, you know, STLV might be a little long. Um, so you know, ultimately, how do you feel about the length of Star Wars Celebration? You know, I. I thought five
1: days would be too long, but I think what five days allowed me to do is I didn't feel like I had to be there from opening to closing every day. Right. I went, I visited the show floor a little bit every day, I went to the panels, I only, I only went to the panels I wanted to go to, and I was able to get out and enjoy Chicago. Um, I went to an amazing tiki bar uh, named Three Dots and a Dash while I was out there. And oddly enough, on the day it was snowing, um, <laughs> but you know, even with five days, on the fifth day, I, I did I did just one last walk around the convention floor, and I realized I missed an entire section. I missed the entire artist alley. Oh wow! Um, and 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 they had a whole area for uh, fan groups and cosplay groups and photo area. Like I missed an entire probably I don't know fifth. Of the floor, because I, I had spent so much time focusing on the bigger venues, the Disney booth and sideshow collectibles and Diamond Select and, and those types of things, um, that I missed some of the smaller booths in back, and so I was able to to really get that in. So at no point during the five days was I thinking, wow – that was too much. Like I, I I was able to fit everything in because I have, I've certainly been to conventions where I'm like, I think I saw everything in one day. I don't know why I'm going back for two, but I'm going to go anyway. Um, I've certainly been to conventions like that. This was not like that. I saw new things every day. Um, there were different areas of the convention center that had different things. There was a droid builders room that was separate from the convention floor that you wouldn't have seen unless you had a panel down that way or knew it was there. So, I mean, tons of great stuff. Um, you know, I, I think the five days for me was was more than more than perfect. Um, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling sad that the convention is over because, <laughs> you know, when you spend five days or any period of time, but when you spend five days, certainly in a hotel that's attached to the convention center so that you can just wake up, shower, or work out, breakfast, whatever, and then walk and over a walk and walk. You never have to go outside. You literally walk through a covered bridge into the convention center um, and, uh, you know, be surrounded by uh, thousands and thousands of fans who are there for the same reason you are of the same thing that you're into. Uh, You know, it's a great experience and uh, you know, I that's why I love some of these more focused conventions. Like this was a star Wars convention. Star Trek Las Vegas is a Star Trek convention. Um, You know, you're not going to see, you know, I don't know, the undertaker, Signing autographs there, or you know the cast of the Vampire Diaries, or anything like that, you know everyone's there that's related really, you know people are there related to this specific area of entertainment and i and I appreciate that about this convention
0: are you telling me you didn't see a single Star Trek costume while you were there at Star Wars celebration?
1: I think I saw one <laughs> one person actually had you know a Starfleet uniform
0: because I mean we're not doing it right if there's not at least one Star Trek person there at the Star Wars convention. Just as I would expect to see Jedi's walking around Star Trek Las Vegas. Oh well, yeah. Trek Je- Jedi's. Ju- just <laughs> Trek Deniers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know, I just I, I, I need I need to see that uh, you know, we're 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 getting some stink in everybody else's uh, fun, so you know. <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> Yeah, the, the we, we call those trolls. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's as great a time as I had. And I, I, I really did. Uh, you ventured to our nation's
0: capital in I Washington did. DC. I did. We try to go to uh, DC every every year at Easter. Uh, I really love the National Cathedral for the holiday services and uh, there's just so much to see and do and you know this. you go to DC uh, rather frequently. Uh, I love you know all the different Smithsonian museums. I you know uh, if you are if you have not, visited a smithsonian uh museum or the national zoo you're really missing out because you know not only are they wonderful places your tax dollars are paying for these things which is why in most of these exhibits there's no fee um you know, So we went to the National Zoo. We went to the museum, We went to the Smithsonian Museum of American History. Uh, tried to get into the new African-American museum, but uh, it is so popular right now. You have to reserve tickets. There's no fee, but you have to reserve tickets, and I did not realize that. Oh. Um, and I found out while I was in town, that I haven't corro- uh, c- corroborated this because uh, – uh, we It was after we went to museum, but the the word on the street is that the museum is closing, that they have sold the property oh. to someone else, and uh, o- only a few of those exhibits will survive elsewhere, and we don't know where those exhibits are going to. but uh, the museum is awfully cool, uh, you know documenting American his- world history and media. Um, I-, I do recommend that you get an opportunity to get out there, but you know Paul, have you ever been to the National Zoo? Oh,
1: gosh. When I, was,
0: when I was a wee paw. Okay. So, I don't know if you remember this or not, but, uh-huh. uh, you know, you can enter the zoo at a couple of different locations. And uh, I entered at the very wrongest location of the zoo. Um, I entered uh, at the bottom of the hill, not understanding that the National Zoo is essentially built into the side of a rather steep hill. And you know, as you're as you're you know moving through the zoo, it there are at times it's like a forty five degree angle. In fact, I don't know how it passes the Americans with Disabilities Act guidelines because you've got to be like in a in a really low gear to be able to maneuver up that thing if you're in a wheelchair. Uh, It it was crazy, and (laughs) I uh, I I am plowing ahead, you know, just climbing that hill because I you know I'm there to see pandas, right? And the pandas are all the way the F at the top of the ding-dang hill. Get up there, see the pandas, see, see you know a number of different animals, head back down the hill to you know, catch our ride to, to, to get back. And, of course, it's at this point that they have shut down the bottom exit to the uh, rideshare companies. So while Uber dropped me off oh. at that bottom exit... They, would not, they could not pick me up at that bottom exit. I had to hike all the way the fuck up that hill again <laughs> to, get, to get an Uber to get home.
1: That's crazy.
0: I, I was cussing so very hard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. <Yeah. laughs>
0: and let me tell you how the whole time I'm like, I don't know how I would be able to do this if I have not been going to the gym. Because, my God, I was dying. I mean, it was all, it was all in my backside, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I was, I do huh, I guess I don't have to feel bad about not going to the gym today. So, <laughs> yeah. And it, I was, I was at the, the uh, zoo gift shop and this was, this is something I noticed a lot in this trip to DC than in other trips to DC. It was a lot of, would you like to round up your purchase to make a donation to X? Oh yeah. You know, and so this one was: Would you uh, like to round up your your uh, purchase to make a donation to support the zoo? And I responded with: Do I get to pick which animal it goes to? Because let me tell you, <laughs> that red panda is kind of an asshole. Oh, and everyone <laughs> loves the red pandas. <laughs> well, she's just like, uh, no, it just it just goes to the to the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> And when I we were at the panda exhibit and they're doing the whole little presentation, you know, you, you've got the little zoo tour going through there. I asked if the pandas are as delicious as I've heard. And uh, nobody seemed to be comfortable answering that question. Apparently you're not. Well, they don't to- want to
1: reveal that. that yeah. I mean, that, that, <laughs> they don't want to share that sweet, <laughs> sweet panda meat.
0: Mm. Their meat is delicious. Oh, yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah, well, I've heard. I've not been able to sample some myself.
0: Well, you know, I spent a lot of time in Ubers on this trip, and uh, you know, Ubers are often fun. You know, sometimes you get you get a, a really entertaining driver. Sometimes you get a terrifying driver, and uh, I, I think my 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 most terrifying ride was the driver who was playing what can only be the straight out of Fallujah, uh, jihadi garage band uh that he was listening to and i mean i'm i'm convinced i heard the refrain kill the infidels uh, oh uh, and okay. i'm sitting there uh, i'm i'm looking at my wife and she and i are both you know giving very concerned looks to each other and and he's like, oh, this is African music. I'm like, mm-hmm, 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 sure, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. He's like, no, this is, this is this is African folk music. I'm like, no, no, I'm pretty sure, you know, it had a lot of that, a lot of the soundtrack of any number of thrillers set in the Middle East, you know, <laughs> that generally involves some sort of suicide bombing. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not really comfortable with this. Hey, you can just drop us off right here. <laughs>
1: You know, it's funny. I had an Uber driver pick me up. Um, I'll pick us up in Chicago and radio blasting. And don't get me wrong, it's not like the music was bad. It was probably like late 80s, early 90s pop music, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but blasting. And I'm like, like you're an Uber driver. Like, you, you, you may want to like, be considerate of your guests. Like, at one point, I'm like, hey, man, I have to make a phone call. He turned it down, he didn't turn it
0: off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. huh? Yeah. Well, well, you know, well, okay. Oh, one car I got in, I mean, it was just it was just permeated with BO. You know? <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, oh my lord." And then another one you get in and and the guy's got it nicely air conditioned and he's got, you know, some sort of smooth jazz playing. You know, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, this is great," you know. And then you get in the next one and the guy, I mean, and equally as concerning to me as, you know, the, uh, you know, all, all, all your jihadi hits all the time mm-hmm. was the Christian radio music. Now, you know, I'm up there to go to church. I'm up there to go to the national cathedral, but I, I am wildly, uh, offended by most Christian radio mm-hmm. <laughs> and he had, he had that plan and I'm like, you know, I recognize that today is Easter, but, uh. I could do without uh, uh, the uh, the the witness that is being born to me over, over the video.
1: <laughs> well, apparently not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeesh. So so that. Oh, was my, are we talking about Star Trek today? I think
0: maybe we are.
1: Or is that part two? Or we'll, we'll save that for such sweet sorrow part two. Coming yeah. next
0: week. Yeah, coming next week. And, and, a, and a thrilling second part of this episode. But you know, Paul, there, <laughs> there, <Sarah> is, <laughs> there is Picard Show updates. What? From the Alpha Quadrant, it's The Tonight Show, starring Jean-Luc Picard. Nice. Yeah, they, 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 they started filming this week. Oh. Um, they started uh, principal photography. The show is f- happening right now What's as it? we speak. People ah. are sp- people are speaking words, and it's being recorded. It's Crazy Town.
1: Ah, it's one of those talkie films.
0: Yeah, it's one. Of, it's a talkie. And, uh, you know, they have revealed uh, three new uh, actors for the show, one of whom I've actually seen in something.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually have heard of these
0: actors. Yeah. Um, the the blonde uh, woman was in the newsroom, so that's where I know her from. Uh, and I'll see if I can find her name here real quick. She is um allison pill p-i-l-l
1: oh yeah i know her but i, don't I mean know, not
0: personally yeah i don't know harry tread Treadaway or isa treadaway was um
1: he was dr frankenstein i oh, believe you're absolutely and Penny
0: right you're yeah. absolutely right because he looked like somebody but i kept thinking he looked like uh uh, one of the actors in the original Red Dawn, and I'm like, well, he's that's not that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: doesn't age. He's, yeah, he's got that Scientology drug, like but, uh, Tom Cruise. But no, you're you're absolutely right. That is him. I don't know who this Isa uh, uh, Briones is, though. I don't know someone from American Crime Story Versace, <laughs> but <laughs> Seriously? Um, Seriously? yeah, yeah, <laughs> which I've not I've not actually seen that show. Oh. Um, but yeah, she was on that show.
0: But I mean, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm super excited. And they, they are saying that uh, each each show will be a two part episode. And, oh. and the directors will direct both parts. So Jonathan Frakes is up for episodes three and four. So there'll be, you know, part one, part two, two hours. And they're they're kind of seeing this as one long 10-hour movie uh, for the okay. show. And shooting is going to go for five months. They're expecting to be done mid-September, which I'm going to suggest that maybe we're getting our first Picard show on the air by the end of December, beginning of January. Would I you would think guess? so. Yeah. So pretty
1: exciting stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very much looking forward to it. I, I would imagine. So when is Star Trek: Las Vegas? It's that's in, that's usually in the summer, right?
0: Yeah, it's uh, August time, I think.
1: Yeah, so I'm imagining we'll get our first trailer around that time.
0: Yeah, well, you'll get some film at least. Yeah, yeah, should be interesting. You know, the, the big reveal is going to be what does Picard look like? You know, we know that this isn't necessarily a Starfleet show. So I think everyone's really curious as to what he's going to be wearing. You know, we typically have only ever seen him in uh, you know his his Star Trek clothes. So oh. it'll be it'll be interesting to see what he's wearing. You know, is is he is he going to have his pith helmet? Is he going to you know be an archaeologist or perhaps he's a greeter at Walmart? We don't know, Paul.
1: I think he's just going to show up in jeans and a t shirt. <laughs> you know, A Star that, Wars T-shirt.
0: We we heard <laughs> frequently in Next Generation how in the what, what first two three seasons how uncomfortable the uh, Starfleet uniforms were. You know they're mm-hmm. essentially just great big onesies. And uh, maybe maybe his his thing was I'm wearing my own clothes deal with yeah.
1: it. <laughs> I'm going to wear whatever. Just write it into the show.
0: That's right. I'm, I'm wearing my own clothes. You don't like these jeans too fucking bad. You want to make a show? <laughs>
1: yeah. Ian McKellen dressed me deal with it.
0: Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait for the Picard show.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, one thing that I was very excited about, very excited about was this two part season finale of star Trek discovery, uh-huh. such sweet sorrow, uh, parts one and two. Um, I I am delighted to report
0: that neither episode was 37 minutes long. Yeah. Uh, uh, (laughs) What the part one was 48 minutes long and part two was almost a full 60. Right.
1: I think it was like an hour and five. I think it was actually over 60 uh, part two. So, I mean, basically we got a two hour Star Trek Discovery uh, season finale, um, you know, with, you know, quite, quite a bit happened um, in, in this two parter. Aaron, you're usually good at these recap
0: things. <laughs> well, so in the uh, first part, we have a big plan that, uh, you know, we pick up from a cliff- cliffhanger from the episode prior to Such Sweet Sorrow, part one, where, you know, we, we, we decide that we gotta we got to blow up the Discovery. That, you know, there's nothing to be done. Control's coming. Here comes Leland. We got to blow up Discovery because we can't delete the data and we cannot allow for the data to fall in Leland's hands. And so they, everybody jumps the ship, you know, they, they, they rendezvous with Enterprise. They, they put over these, you know, evacuation tunnels, which reminded me very much of the, uh, the, the tube link between, uh, what was it? It was Discovery in, uh, 2010 yeah. and, and the other ship. I forget the other ship's name. But, you know, it reminded me very much of how everyone would travel back and forth between those two ships. And I've always Wait. felt like,
1: Oh yeah, yeah, the actual Discovery.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I, 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 those all those little tunnels always just seem very insecure to me. Uh, I, I just I kept expecting them to to, to to break apart, but we never we never get to see anybody you know expelled out into space via one of those tubes, uh, and they just you know calmly everybody evacuates from Discovery, gets over to Enterprise, and they're like, okay, well Leland's going to be here almost any time. Let's go ahead and hit that remote auto-destruct, and bing! Discovery, possessed by the Sphere data, has deactivated the self-destruct. Burnham then kind of falls into a flash forward where she kind of sees the immediate future, and she sees... That they, you know, they try to shoot photons at Discovery and that didn't work because it's now defending itself. And the next thing you know, uh, Leland's there and he kills everybody, right? Uh, he you know winds up boarding Discovery, gets Discovery, kills everybody on the bridge of Discovery, uh, including you know most people. When you're going to lift your adversary over your head, you just get a, a great big hefty grab at their throat and he- and you know haul them over your head. But he doesn't do that. He gr- he practically grabs Michael Burnham by her face, you know. And I'm like, you know, that is just mean, you know. <laughs> that no, is. I mean, he's not a nice guy. He's not, but it just seems like, you know, unnecessarily vicious to grab someone by their face. And, uh, you know, we get to see he, you know, uh, we all but see him shoot her head off with a phaser because he puts the phaser right at her temple and she blacks out from the, uh, that experience immediately thereafter. But, you know, in that, in that, uh, vision, you know, we're seeing all these people get shot and died. And I got to tell you that, uh, Owo has the best death scene in that flash forward where she she is shot and she hits that rail that kind of slopes down uh, into the bridge and she just slides down the rail. It's a great scene. I'm like, ah, oh, that, is, that is super cool. Just, the, just the, the visual of that is super cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a cool sequence. Uh, Yeah. You know, the flash forward, I mean, you kind of assumed it was some kind of dream or something sequence, but, you know, time plays fast and loose in these two episodes because of the, um, you know, the time suit, we we kind of hop back in time, hop forward in time. There's a lot of time travel going on in these two episodes, Uh, so much so that you would imagine and, and this isn't spoilers because it doesn't happen. Um, but didn't they establish that there was some type of time police thing? in, yeah. in, in
0: And, and you, you would think they would have shown up. Yeah. The Office of Temporal Affairs, something like that. Uh, yeah. They show up in Deep Space Nine to scold uh, uh, Ben Sisko a couple of times, right? Yeah. But they didn't show up in the context of this episode. You yeah. know, just, just saying. Yeah. Slacking on the job. Yeah. Well, you know, um, so – Michael Burnham comes back to herself and she's like, oh, you know what? This isn't going to work. And she explains that the Sphere data is is kind of running things over on Discovery. It's not going to work. we got to go back to Discovery and try something else. And this is one of the things that that annoyed me about the episode is that when they said they were going to destroy Discovery at the end of the previous episode, that was a question in my mind because we know that the data is smart enough or sentient enough as, you know, uh, uh, self-actualizing enough to protect itself, right? Because it, it did that in the previous episode, you know, they tried to delete it and it kept moving the data, right? And, you know, encrypting it so that they could not delete it, so that it was, it was safe there in the, you know, memory banks of, of Starship Discovery. So why in the hell would they think that they could set a delayed auto-destruct, and anticipate that that was going to solve the problem.
1: Well, and I had a couple of issues with this. Yeah. Since we're talking issues, one, you know,
0: the, so it, so instead they try firing on it. Yeah. Right. And but the well, shields in are up in that in the flash forward they don't actually do that. Oh, okay. They they get ready to do it and she stops uh, Pike. before That's gets, right. That's right. And I only caught that on the second viewing, Paul. Okay. Uh, cause you know what I, I watched, uh, uh, part one on its own. Then I watched part two on its own each a week removed from each other. And then last night I watched both of them back to back as, as one two hour block. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't until that second viewing that I caught, oh, that didn't actually happen. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Because I think so, the question you were about to ask is why did discovery let them back on board?
1: Well, that's another thing. So yeah. yeah why did discovery let them back on board is, is, is a big question, but one, as a viewer, I got to say and, – and you can tell me if you feel differently um, having seen it twice because I only saw it once. Mm-hmm. I was rather annoyed – and we sat through them leaving the ship and going, Oh, womp, yeah. womp, walk yeah. back on the ship. Like, yeah. Okay. Why don't we just waste a half hour of this show no, for com- nothing?
0: Well, completely agree. And that actually have, I have some complaints about wasted time a couple of times in this episode, um, and the effective use of time, uh, as an editing and, uh, stress, uh, stress applying device, uh, I, I was very frustrated that we blew the first act of this episode by engaging in an effort that, that it wasn't clever. That was my issue with it. Is I don't, I, I don't have a problem with the reality sometimes our ideas don't work. What I do have a problem with is that any one of those people that crew Discovery should be smarter than me. And someone should have at least asked the question, Hey, what makes us think that Discovery is going to let us do this? right because a portion yeah. of the ship right la- a the data that's living within the ship has become sentient has evolved enough to preserve itself it was able to do things we didn't expect before by you know jumping from database to database why in the hell do we think it would allow us to destroy it which i think begs another question i think the next question i i would ask is what makes us think it's going to allow itself to be taken by control yeah no, it appears questions. to be it, it appears to be pretty damn smart. why do we think it would allow that? I mean I think these are questions that that should have been asked on screen so that yeah. I don't have to ask them <laughs> right? but I will
1: say this is one thing that um if I had to fault season two as a whole for anything um and, and you you you've noticed probably this trend in our questioning or our faults in the episodes and it's it's especially true in parts one and two significantly in part two um is the convenience of forgetting or the technology not being referenced or randomly forgotten. Um, like the, there are so many holes in the logic of the season that are just forgotten for the sake of story. Yeah. Um, like, um, the, the robot lady. Uh, that mm-hmm. we mentioned a couple of episodes ago. I forget Arian. her name. Ariam not being able to be transported, yeah. um,
0: like or then just simply choosing not to and not explaining, yeah. And not yeah. I, I would accept we we have to let her die because we don't know that we can extricate control from her programming. Right. Yeah. I would accept that, but I need someone to say it. I need them yeah. to put a button on it.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are just many th- things like that that I noticed in the context of the two episodes. But yes, yeah. that that is a very solid point.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I've got a lot of nits to pick on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, let me just say, you know, let me go, go ahead and skip to the end and say, I enjoyed this, these episodes, Yeah, but I do, but I do have some issues with it and it wouldn't be Star Trek if I didn't.
1: Yeah. And, and I would say I, mirror, I, I would say these episodes are fun watches. Um, mm-hmm. I expect part two is probably the biggest Star Trek battle we've ever seen. On screen before, um, yeah. you know, a, a, I mean, significantly bigger than anything we've ever seen, even visually in the movies. So yeah. uh, all the money was saved for part two of the of, of such sweet sorrow. Yeah. Um, but story wise, I will say I I felt very weak. Um, it, it is we we've, we've mentioned this before. This these two episodes were all about the emotion, not about any type of logic or science.
0: Well, and I I feel like. I felt like in these two episodes that it dawned on me about midway through the first ep- through the first part that oh shit this is all to set up season 3. This is not necessarily about a strong resolution to season 2. This is all about setting up season 3. In fact that that really got hit home You know, as you're having all of these big goodbyes and, you know, I I, I think most fans will tell you that they're frustrated when characters don't get an opportunity to say goodbye when you're going to show an actor the door and that guy's not coming back. Right. Uh, So you want to have those opportunities for closure for both the fans and the characters. And so the the remainder of part one is an F ton of goodbyes, you know, and I mean, it, it is ridiculous to me how much of that there is. When we get to episode two, um, we continue that trend. I mean, I, I'm like, okay, you guys have got to stop with the good because it's a whole lot of, we've got ten minutes. We've got five minutes. And we none of the characters seem to get urgent about anything. No. And, until we are like three and a half minutes out. And it's like, oh, shit, I guess we ought to finish building the time suit.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and it's so it's revealed that Michael Burnham has to take discovery Um, Out of time. That's the only way, is to take Discovery itself into a different time to prevent Control from getting to it. And, you know, when that happens, you're like, okay, well, you know, I mean, maybe we'll get rid of the main character. We spend like 20 minutes on goodbyes. And then like when half the cast says, "Oh, we're going with you." Actually, probably 90% of the cast. The only one who yeah, didn't the
0: discovery cast. Of the discovery cast.
1: Yeah, the only person who didn't on the discovery say they were going to go with her um was Ash Tyler. Right. But everyone else was like, "Oh, we're going with you." I'm like, "Ah, oh, fuck." So we know none of this is real. Like we I mean not real, but you know like no one's going to die. That if the, you know that that either something's going to come through or something like when 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 the entire cast is on the line, you kind of, you know, it's a bit telegraphed what's going to happen. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, and it's, you know, we're going to come with you, and you know, we're all going to go to the future together, yada yada yada. And you know, and, and you know they they shut her down when she's going to you know make some explicit complaints about it because yeah. you know Saru's like you know we don't have a lot of time, but of course they've not had a lot of time in these entire two episodes. But again, nobody seems to start building the damn time suit until several minutes away from Cleveland yeah. <laughs> arriving. And I'm like, what the hell? And I got another thing to complain about that, Paul. Uh-huh. At the end of season, of, of the first episode, first part, you know, Tignataro. Hurry!
1: I'm going, I'm going. Get off my ass. Sir, get off my ass, sir.
0: Says, you know, we can speed up the process if we, you know, adjust the containment around the time crystal. Because they got to power up this time crystal, right? Which is the whole reason why they had to go to Zahia. To uh, get the queen to, you know, Poe, Queen Poe, to use her dilithium reconstruction technology to transfer power to the time crystal in which to activate it. Because one of the, we, we had to establish another. Problem in the process that yeah you've got a time crystal but you can't activate the time crystal because you got to charge the time crystal. I I don't know why the Klingons at Borath couldn't be more like an Apple store and give you a time crystal with a charge on it because you know when I get my new iPhone there's at least like a sixty percent charge on the damn thing. Whenever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why the, hell, why the hell isn't that you know part of the Borath process?
1: Yeah, I mean, and he did just, like, snap it off fresh from the source. So I don't Great. understand why it's draining so quickly because it wasn't
0: being used. Well, it's got some app running in the background, I guess. I guess. The you Location know, just...
1: services. They'll, they'll get you every time.
0: <laughs> every goddamn time. Paul.
1: Time location services. Yeah. Uh, can we actually talk about the Klingons from Borath for a second? Sure. Because, you know, we referenced this giant space battle and and, uh, you know, we're going to go into spoiler territory, which at this point it's we're almost a week out um, from the episode being released. But the Klingons, uh, you know, um, uh, gosh, what's the uh, the Klingon counselor? Lorel. Yeah, yeah Lorel shows up with like a Klingon, like a giant Klingon ship. And, you know, it's you a know,
0: reaver class or a cleaver or what. Yeah, Cleave class, something like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: A, a giant Klingon ship, you know, and and Klingon battleships to to help um, Discovery and Enterprise against all the control occupied ships. Right. Um, and on the bridge with her, you know, yelling in Klingon and and, call, and battle cries is Ash Tyler. Uh huh. And I'm like, didn't did, uh, did, didn't we just establish two two episodes ago
0: that he couldn't be seen? Uh huh yeah yeah I guess. so a couple of problems with that one it exactly to your point Paul we made it we we faked Chancellor Lorurel faked I didn't have anything to do with it Chancellor Laurel faked Ashlet Tyler's death after falsely accusing him of murdering her child right you know after he murdered my child I cut off his head here's his head yada yada Ash Tyler is dead according to as far as any Klingon knows other than Laurel in fact, they, they go into an in-depth argument in uh, the previous episode where we're going to go fetch a time crystal. He says, you can't go down there because if the Klingons see you, it ruins everything and it puts my chancellorship in jeopardy. And everything we've done is for naught. And so as they're leaving Discovery you know, to beam back to the Enterprise this episode, and Pike is back in his Starship Enterprise gold tunic, uh, Ash Tyler says, "Hey, I got to go take care of thing, take care of a thing, still trust me." And you know, we never hear Pike's answer to that, but here comes in the middle of this battle and keep in mind less than an hour has gone by, Paul. Here comes Ash Tyler with Chancellor Laurel. Yeah. So here is one of my fundamental problems, and it's, it's one of my problems with uh, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek. It's one of my problems with Discovery. It's one of my problems with Star Wars, uh, since J.J. Abrams took over the Star Wars universe. It's that it doesn't take any time to get anywhere. No. Right? Um, in this episode, we see, uh, we see Sarek meditating. And he gets a gets a, a a flash. We assume he gets a flash, but the next thing we know, there he is on on Discovery. Discovery, which has spore jumped across uh, the Federation to go to planet Zahia to meet Queen Poe. But you know, spore jump. I guess we can assume that maybe Vulcan is close to Zahia because all they did was take a shuttle trip.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and yeah. on top of that, right? It, you know, we saw Sarek visit Burnham.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's like, hey, Starfleet said they weren't able to get in touch with you. We thought you might be in trouble. We came and visited you. They find out what's happening. At no point does Starfleet show up. Right. No. You know, like, yeah. does Sarek just not, like, radio back and say, hey, yeah. Control is messing with well, them. You need to come help them.
0: Well, and so, you know, Control has killed their access to all the subspace buoys, which boost signal across interstellar space that allows you to, to you know, chat Faster than light speed, right? It lets your communications move faster than light speed. Lets them move at warp speed, essentially. Um, so there, the, there's a big statement made in in the uh, episodes that they only have ship to ship with Enterprise. Neither Enterprise nor Discovery can communicate outside of line of sight, right? So there is a big scene. Of everybody send, you know, writing their last log, writing their last email home, recording a message to family, and Saru records something to his sister. Well, his sister somehow gets that message. Even though all the subspace buoys are shut down, she gets that message and leads a whole fighter squadron of Ba'ul-class fighters to come help out. So, let me see if I've got this straight. In the very short time since... They vis- visited the Kelpians, Kelpians on planet Baul and liberated them from their, you know, bronze oppressors, age. Yes. Uh, yeah, th- their bronze age uh, technology under their, you know, highly advanced oppressors. She has learned how to not only. Uh, <laughs> Work interstellar communications, but also lead a fighter squadron, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh, I mean, that's a little bit like Conan flying an X-Wing, <laughs> right? I mean, that's that was Essentially, p- yeah. Yeah, in that little bit of time. That's, that's just kind of a problem for me. Okay. In that little bit of time from the time that Ash Tyler, again, less than an hour here, he beams off of Discovery over to Enterprise and somehow contacts uh, the Klingon homeworld. Rendezvous with them and leads Laurel all the way back to this fight with uh, 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 Captain Leland, you know, yeah. the control possessed Captain Leland and all of all of his, you know, control drones. But no we one, know, we Starfleet. know that, <laughs> yeah, nobody contracts Starfleet. Not a single person. And, and I'm just, I'm, it bugs me. That they just hand wave the distances because we know that uh, the Enterprise was coming full speed from the moment that Discovery Spore jumped, right? Full speed, and Control was coming full speed and was ten minutes behind them initially, five minutes, but then it was ten minutes. I don't know if they if they you know lost them at that turn in Albuquerque, but uh, I, I just I, I it bugs me, and you know we see the same thing in. Star Trek 2009, we see it in the Star Wars movies where it just takes literally no time for anybody to get anywhere. Um, it, this this trend of, like, let's just forget the vastness of L- interstellar space for the sake of story drives me freaking crazy, Paul. I will also say, since we're talking about the battle, is that... Um, They did the same thing here that they did in season one when we're looking at like the Klingon ships is that there's not a lot of definition there. They made them dark. Uh, They did the same thing with the control ships. The only ships that really show up in the fights – are discovery and enterprise?
1: Yeah, because all those little ships. I mean, don't be me wrong. Like I said, it's a spectacular battle, but everything's like dots on a screen and lasers, right? Uh, because it's moving so quickly, which I've got to imagine is part of you know cost saving. If it's moving so f- fast that everything's blurry, like you don't have to and- spend a lot of money on making everything detailed.
0: And I'm fine with that in terms of the shuttles and the drones, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, they had employed these, you know, weapons armed uh, drones, uh, weapons armed shuttles to fight the drones. And there's like 200 of them, right? So I don't expect to see a lot of that on the screen. I just kind of expect to see this swarm of stuff going on. But, you know, you had 30 control ships there that were all of a size not too dissimilar to discovery and enterprise for that matter and yet you only see them in the distance you never really see them engage whereas you're getting lots of these close-up shots of discovery and enterprise taking damage and i just i find that really frustrating you know that i i am accustomed to getting a close-up view of those kinds of things. I mean, just give me a, for instance, just give me a reference. Not that, that really far off kind of shot. And, I, and, I, and we, it's not, it's something that's so different in our star Trek experience. And I don't think it works particularly well. And I think you're right. I think it's a budget constraint, but good gravy. You had so much on the screen.
1: Yeah. Uh, it you seems
0: know, like you could have given me a shot.
1: Yeah. And so ultimately I think what we're we cool, like we said, tons of, issues with the episode for me it felt right but some of these issues whether they were smaller or larger they do take you out of that emotional beat of the story you know part of um you know and and not to be completely negative about the episode but you know there's there's a an emotional scene between michael and spock at the end of the episode yeah right where we're where michael has to jump through time uh you know bring the enterprise with her and she has to say goodbye to spock because spock is stuck in his ship and can't go with her and um and i'm and and, you know so they're they're saying this emotional goodbye she's like find someone who challenges you which we know ends up being kirk blah 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 Mm -hmm. blah blah and then he gets beamed up onto the enterprise and i'm like well D- Discovery has transporters
0: too. <laughs>
1: like, well, but, why, why didn't he just beam <laughs> onto Discovery? It was all well, inconvenient.
0: They do say that Discovery you, she's so bad off, and because of how she's got to travel through that that wor- uh, the wormhole, right? Mm-hmm. That they can't lower their shields to take any additional damage. They're, they're uh, just yeah, essentially yeah, they holding do, it they do say it. that. Fair, but I, to your point, yeah. <laughs> I think they could have done something. But of course, Paul, that begs the question. We have arrived at this point where uh, Michael Burnham has, uh, she's trying to, 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 you know, travel forward in time and the suit won't let her. And the suit won't let her, we find out, as Spock just all of a sudden figures out, hey, it won't let you do it because you haven't finished doing what you've got to do. You've got to set the other red lights in the sky because we have, if you'll recall, when we met uh, Mama Burnham, uh, she didn't know anything about the red lights. And it turns out that, you know, Michael Burnham was the person that had camp come back and visited Spock that time uh, where they got the the bio signature. Well, right. hold
1: on. So I, I do want to pause on that that moment for a second, because the red angel appeared to Spock twice. Correct. Uh, I think once was, as a child, once as an once adult. Once as an adult. Right. But those were not included in the red signals. Right. That's not part of the seven.
0: Where did they get the bio reading from? Um, They got because the the bio the bio reading turns out that it was was Michael Burnham. Yeah, I think that was like on
1: the fifth or fourth or fifth.
0: um, They initially thought that you know after they discovered Mama Burnham, oh, it must be because their 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 signs are so similar. But then they you know now that you know Mama Burnham's gone and she didn't know anything about the red lights, or no, it must be Michael Burnham. She took the suit and she set the red lights.
1: Uh, which I guess, you know, the red lights don't necessarily mean that's where the suit jumped. It's just a, a, a signal that was left behind. And so, right. yeah, Burnham has to has to leave those signals behind to basically guide Discovery.
0: And let me tell you, it was infuriating having to watch that. That was a shit 15 min- or 10 minutes of television. Yeah. I got to tell you, on my second viewing, I fast forwarded through those. Yeah, it is – because. Yeah. It, was, it was painful. I was like, this is a lot of fat on the bone, y'all.
1: Yeah. It, it was very, you know, not to, it, I know we're being harsh on it. It is genuinely an unnecessary piece of the episode. Oh, yeah. They, they could have trimmed that to about 30 seconds and gotten yeah. the same emotional beat from it.
0: Well, I, I, probably, I think you would have gotten a better emotional beat because it would have been tighter. I yeah. think that you could, have, you could have done just a really quick montage as opposed to, you know, Stardate, whatever, whatever, here you are over Terralisium you know, yeah. and then, you know, giving us a couple of, you know, clip show moments from the episode on Terralisium, you know, hit the big red button and then boom, another jump. I mean, it's a lot of time. Yeah. It is a lot of painful time, particularly when you're wanting to get back to all the stuff that matters. Yeah. You the know, giant it,
1: space battle that's, you know, destroying yeah, two ships. That is
0: just chewing up those two ships. And, you know, we've got, you know, Admiral Cornwell's life hanging in the balance. And this is one of those things that just struck me as rather ridiculous. You know, we have seen in a couple of, of episodes now where there's that flash forward and yeah. we see that there is an unexploded photon torpedo stuck in the hull of the Enterprise. Well, you know, Admiral Cornwell's been down there trying to disarm the thing and realizes that you just can't disarm this thing. She had number number one down there with her. I don't understand the switchover between, number one, you come back, I'll go down, and here comes Captain Pike. But Captain Pike says, hey... I've got a future that says that I don't die here. Seems like I should stay with the torpedo. And, you know, uh, Admiral Cornwell says, what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong and it does explode? And then how many lives are lost because you're not where you need to be, Chris. And you could make the exact same argument to her. Yeah. You know, this isn't your time either. Admiral Cornwell, because fate's bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I really wish somebody in this episode somewhere had said, you know, fate's not a thing right yeah no they all bought into it and on top of that so <laughs> and, and michael burnham even says at the top of the uh, of the top of the second episode captain pike has always believed that uh it was something about fate and the red the yeah the, uh, and the uh, the signs mm-hmm. and i'm like i don't think that he's always believed that he's believed that for the last episode or so yeah but, yeah, <laughs> but you know I, I, again Fate's not a thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, so that sequence where where Admiral Cornwell bravely sacrifices herself um, to close the blast door so that that explosion can happen. Mm
0: -hmm. And not take out the rest of the ship.
1: And not take out the rest of the ship.
0: Right. How the hell...
1: That when that thing blew, it blew like a chunk, like like you took a bite of a hamburger. That's yeah, no, what the it, Enterprise it looked the,
0: like the, the the big forward bite of the, of yeah. the Enterprise saucer section. But yeah. that fucking door held. Yeah, and he's he looks right through the glass at it, and I'm like, you know, that's an antimatter explosion. I'm gonna guess that burns out your retinas.
1: Yeah, but I you was know? just like. That well, door is really strong. They should well, make the entire ship out of that door.
0: That's what I'm saying. I <laughs> mean, if, you, if if the blast door can hold a point blank antimatter explosion, maybe you just build your whole ship out of that.
1: Yeah, just just putting that out there. I mean, again, yeah. it's a cost savings thing, but damn. Yeah, I would think <laughs> the, the, that, that door the, isn't gonna get shot. The ship is gonna shot, get shot. Yeah,
0: you know, him standing so close, shockwave alone would have killed him. Yeah. Right? But no. Yeah. No, I, I thought that was some bullshit, but I got to tell you, it, it really, it, if Captain Pike has faith that that vision of his, of his ultimate uh, fate is true, then he should have forced Admiral Cornwell out of the room.
1: Yeah. Then he should have, then he should have jumped in and and, and he's, a, he should have just thrown his
0: body across that thing and said, I'm going to ride here until this is done. Yeah. Because we know that he can't be killed. And, and, and I mean, she, she. She has him question his, quote, faith, and it, it causes him to doubt. His doubt got her killed.
1: Yeah. This but it was one of the. Si- like, his doubt not only got her killed, but his future sucks, and he knows that.
0: You're right. <sighs> I would much rather. Yeah. And he, he he hasn't seen the other side of that future, right? Where no. He gets to go to Talos 4 and, and live an imaginary life, an able bodied imaginary life with a beautiful woman that he loves. Um, all he sees is a future, you know, horribly scarred, mute, and, st- and you know, a quadriplegic. Um, so why wouldn't you just throw yourself over, over the torpedo? Because you're going to do one of two things. Either you're going to save everybody, right, including Admiral Cornwell, or you're going to be the one who dies and you avoid that horrible fate. I don't get it. I, that made no sense to me whatsoever. No, but hey,
1: at least we have the potential for a Pike spinoff. off.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we get to see uh, Captain Georgiou beat the living gee out of Captain Leland. By the way, I have a question. Did Nan die? Did Nan get sucked out into space? Uh, I watched that thing three times, and I couldn't tell. I don't believe so, no. I, she disappears. No, no, she was on the floor, I think. She, she disappears in that fight that they're having in that hallway and there is a scene and it is super fast where you know the sh- the ship gets hit and there's a breach in the hull and it looks like the doors open at the end of the hall and someone goes flying out it didn't look like non but then non doesn't show up anywhere else in the episode
1: yeah i don't believe non flew out i think she was just knocked unconscious
0: okay cuz i i'm just we see the emergency bulkhead slide into place which allows the the hall to Repressurize and allows Giorgio and Leland to continue that their f- fight, but we never see her again after that.
1: No, and we had the insidious fight between Giorgio, Leland, and Nan, where they're fighting <laughs> on the walls and the ceiling. Insidious, I think you're
0: meaning. Oh, not meaning, insidious. Inception. Yes, Inception. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: not close. Not insidious. They're not. They're not. They're not going through the the, the dead world or whatever. Right. No.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but you know. She ultimately kills Leland. You know, she traps him in the spore drive chamber and magnetizes the floor. You know, just a couple of magnets solves this whole problem, Paul. Uh, It kills Leland. And yet nobody calls over to Michael Burnham and says, hey, we have defeated control. You don't need to go to the future anymore. It's one of those things I don't get. I don't get why we fled to the future. I also... You got a spore drive technology. I don't understand why we didn't just zap ourselves to the other side of the galaxy instead of 930 years in the future. Well, 950, but it's... No, no, they went 930 because they they wanted to get there at the same time that her mom arrived. Oh, that's right.
1: That's right, because she went 20 years ago. Okay, so they blasted 930 years into the future. A fair point. Why didn't they just spore drive across the universe? Or well, say,
0: Control's dead, we're done.
1: Yeah. I mean, good, uh, good questions all around. But if ha- <laughs> all that had happened, Aaron, then they couldn't have had this wonderful ending where continuity is restored because Discovery is stricken from the records and the sport drive is stricken from the records. And Spock promises never to speak Burnham's name yeah. again or of Burnham, even to his bestest bud, Captain uh, James T. Kirk, in their most private moments, never utters her name all established yeah. after the end of the yeah.
0: episode. Yeah. This is, and while on the one hand, I'm like, ah, that's, that's a, that's a really good idea Yeah, on how to slip discovery into existing canon. And which is something that they have said all along yeah. is that you'll understand. I mean, they, they were saying this from, from, you know, first episode of season one, when we're all said and done, you'll understand how discovery fits. In. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm going to take that with as much salt as I did that J. Michael Straczynski had the whole story written out for all five seasons. Of my <laughs> five. Um, <laughs> but my my issue with it is, is that three people can't keep a secret unless two of them are dead. No. Um, and here we are with literally hundreds of people that have to keep this secret. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not even so much I mean it's like we're never going to mention Michael Burnham again Well, she's in the history books, right? Because she was the, for the, for a while there was considered to have been the person who started the Klingon war. Um mm-hmm. it is known that she is the adopted child of Ambassador Sarek and his wife Amanda. So at a minimum, what happens when they have a family friend over and says, "Hey, how's Spock and Michael?" You know, I mean, they're, they're, people, they're,
1: they're ushered away.
0: Yeah, I'm um, sorry. No, we don't talk about Eichel May anymore. Um, what <laughs> about, you know, I assume that there are other governments out there who keep dossiers on mm-hmm. uh, amb- ambassadorial diplomatic staff. So wouldn't they have a dossier that talks about Michael Burnham? And, hey, notice that nobody's talking about Michael Burnham anymore. I mean, the the, the concept that a dozen people that, Fifty people that 100 people or the entire crew of the USS Enterprise plus the Klingons plus the, the Kelpians could all keep this secret is insane. Yeah. Unless you have an all-powerful AI out there uh, s- uh, sweeping the internet every day and deleting any references. Uh, and of course, well. we don't have that anymore because we killed control.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I think... Um... You know, like we said, I think it was just awfully convenient to, uh, yeah. to, to I, do I, what they did.
0: Yeah, this is one of those kinds of solutions that you have to not dig too deep into, right? Because, you know, on the one hand, I, I, again, on the one hand, I'm like, oh, that's pretty clever. On the other hand, I'm like, yeah, there's no fucking way that works. <laughs>
1: For me, you, I, know? you know, I thought it was clever in some aspects and also yeah. a way too convenient in others. Um, but, you know, so, you know, when before Burnham brings discovery to the future she tells spock i will f- leave a signal for you and so after discovery blasts into the future we do not find out what happened to the cat to to the discovery we don't we don't finish the episode on them we actually spend the last few minutes of the episode with the cast yeah. with the crew of the
0: enterprise instead yeah Spock. Yeah, the the denouement or last act of the show is all USS Enterprise yeah. and Ash Tyler,
1: which goes to show what you know what the what the crea- show creators also enjoyed. Um, you know, because we we get you know we get some Pike, we get Spock. He shaves his face and looks at, oddly enough, he looks weirder without the sh- with, with the shade. <laughs> he looks less like Spock yeah, with the shaved face than like he did Spock. with the with the beard.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Um, but you know, and but then. We,
0: a huge reveal, though, that I don't think anybody saw coming. We all assumed that Georgio was going to be on the Section Thirty-One show.
1: Well, because they keep they they have they they are still referring to it as as um I forget the actress's name. Uh,
0: uh oh, uh, Michelle Yo.
1: Yeah, they they are still referring to it as Michelle Yo's uh, Section Thirty-One show. Just well, putting that out there. <laughs> it,
0: well, she uh you know. It, She is off on the – she was on board Discovery when they, you know, went through uh, the time hole. Yeah. Um, And so we see that Ash Tyler has been put in command of Section 31, something that surprises even him because he's like, you know, you guys didn't like me just a season ago. Yeah. And (laughs) – and you know, I know, but we think, you're, we think the duality of your nature will inform, be better, and uh, smarter decisions in the Section 31 milieu. Um, <laughs> we get to see Captain Pike. We get to see Number One. We get to see Spock. All lie to the, the officers debriefing them. And I'd like to point out that it is well established that Vulcans do not lie, which apparently is a lie. <laughs> um, because you know, wow, Spock uh, Spock did some did some early lion there in those days. Yeah. <laughs> but we did get the, the you know one of the things that Michael Burnham tells Spock is like I'm going to send the seventh signal. Because remember, there's supposed to be seven. Yeah. I'm going to send the seventh signal when we get on the other side to let you know we're okay. And in the last waning moments of the episode, 53,000 light years away, they in the beta quadrant, they see the signal. And we have confirmation. The location
1: of the seventh signal. 51,000 light years from our present position.
0: Come up. And so we know that Michael Burnham and Discovery are all Okay. Uh, somewhere off in the far distant future. Um, mm. So I find it interesting. I mean, I guess, you know, Terra is 53,000 light years away. So I find it interesting that they went to the future 930 years. We were told that she would not be able to travel back in time because the crystal would degenerate. Yeah, But she seemed very sure that she would be able to go back in time to cast that, uh, that signal. I'm I'm confused on how the mechanics of that work. I'm assuming she figured out some way. I just don't know why she thought that she'd be able to do it when they said that, you know, this is a one-way ticket. There's no way back, which is why it was so meaningful that the entire discovery crew came along because it, this was going to be a one-way ticket 930 years in the future, which I guess we can assume is what season three is going to be all about and that this was the big setup for season three is Star Trek in the 32nd century, the furthest we have seen so far, because I think the furthest we have seen previously was the 29th century when we were having the whole temporal Cold War thing going on in Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah. So, you know, who knows what the future is going to look like now, particularly since we stopped control. You know, all we saw was a burned out wasteland uh, that Mama Burnham visited. It will be interesting to see what uh, the world looks like yeah, in that time and space.
1: You know, it, it's it's interesting because the show, I think, it's a Discovery, and this is probably just by nature of how it started. It seems to be a show that's struggling to find its identity. Mm-hmm. You know, we had this first season that was like, OK, it's this prequel, kind of prequel. And then season two came up and they're like, hey, new captain, new captain. And we're gonna we're gonna bring in Spock too, and now we have this season three that's like, hey, it's not a prequel. Just kidding. It's we're actually gonna be fast forwarding to the future. I mean, I I appreciate the status quo change, but it, it is it, it's um, it's turned into a different show at this well, point. I do, you know, I
0: do think part of the outline of of Star Trek Discovery, I think part of the inception was to build off of what Battlestar Galactica did so successfully. Was that it was a different show every season?
1: Yeah, yeah. Y- fair. Yeah,
0: there, yeah, there was a. An overwhelming, you know, we've got to get away from the Cylons and maybe find this place called Earth. Um, but it was always different. I mean, you, you'd come into you'd come into Deep uh, to Battlestar Galactica, and you're like, "Shit, this isn't the show that I was watching last season." It's a very different show. Um, I I feel like that's what Discovery is doing: is that each season, in its overwhelming arc, will be completely different and will be. Uh, you know, challenging to the viewer because you're going to have to, you know, figure out, is is this my jam, right? You know, do I yeah. like the, the the core principle enough to continue watching? And I did not have faith in this show, and I've said this before. I did not have faith in this show in the first season, in the, in the first five episodes. But, you know, once we came back from that mid-season break... Star Trek Discovery won me over. So while I have spent this entire time bitching about this episode, and it's because I feel like there are giant story holes here um, that you can fly a Dreadnought-class cruiser through. Um,
1: Avoidable. And that's where the frustration comes in. Yeah.
0: It just felt like a little bit more time in the writer's room that maybe if they'd taken a week off. And I would have been fine for them to take another break this season. Um, I mean, I I enjoyed that we got, you know, 14 episodes over 14 weeks. But, man, if you could tighten up some of the story by uh, taking a week off, I'd have been down for that.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, it was nice to not have the month break in between.
0: It was. It was. But, you know... It really benefited from that break last season.
1: It did, it did. So overall, season two of Discovery, I would say, is a success. Um, you know, I actually I liked Spock, I liked Captain Pike. Neither of who I'm, were continuing at season three, but I well, appreciated and, the and cast at, of Discovery.
0: Look at everybody. We're if if season three is legit nine hundred and thirty years in the future, we lose Captain Pike right mm-hmm. which you know we kind of we kind of assume so because of all the big goodbyes we've seen offline yeah. or online uh we lose L'Oreal. Yeah, we lose Ash Tyler we lose uh, uh uh number 1 i mean we lose a ton of people that we really enjoyed this season yeah. we keep Tignataro it looks like uh we we keep uh, Dr Culver yeah which you know there was a really nice moment on the show where where hugh and dr culver i'm sorry uh hugh culver and paul stamets say goodbye to each other because culver has decided that he's going to go live on the enterprise to get the f away from paul and then during the all the commotion you know uh paul is wounded he's in sick bay and up comes hugh and he's like i've decided to stay on discovery because you're my home paul you're my home and they you know reconcile and hopefully paul you know survives cuz he had to get he got put into a coma. <laughs> but uh you know, there's this beautiful moment there. But so we get to keep Culver at least, right? Uh, but I mean you look at the terrific characters that have been established in this show and yeah, you know we had a Captain Pike and we had a number 1 in the original series. But I love those characters, Paul. I've said it before. Anson Mount is is totally my jam. I think he is He is and was my favorite character in Season 2. I loved the promise that we got of Rebecca Romaine as number one, even though I'm a bit disappointed that we didn't get to see her be cool enough. I needed an episode dedicated to her, but... That said, I noticed that what everybody is saying online is, you know, so sorry to say goodbye to the cast of Star Trek Discovery. So sorry to, you know, that my time with Star Trek Discovery is over. But none of them are saying, I'm sorry that my time in Star Trek is over. And I would not be surprised that we see uh, Captain Pike and number one all over again in Section 31.
1: Oh, Yeah, I mean, that would be the place for them, right? We got Tyler.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, it, not, it, not that they're members of Section 31, but that their paths cross. Yeah, you know, So maybe sure. it's an episode or a couple of episodes, but why the hell not? And I got to tell you, I, more so than this Section 31 thing that they've been promising us, um, I, I would pay good money, Paul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am, because I subscribe to CBS All Access yeah. without the commercials. Uh, I, I would love to see a Captain Pike number one show. Even if it's a miniseries or you know a CBS All Access movie, I just I want more. I the, you know they have done that thing where they have left the stage, me wanting more. I want to see more of those guys.
1: I would love to, and hopefully yeah. we will. You know they say
0: they're listening to the fans. I hope so. I hope so. I you know I, I'm I'm a little concerned about what season three is going to look like. Given that we're going to be all the way the hell out in the thirty second century,
1: yeah, I hope they have a good plan. You know, I I really do because it's, I you know, I like that we're seeing something we've never seen before, but uh you know,
0: you got to have a good idea. And you know, when I think about what kind of stories we're going to tell in that far off, distant future, I figure it's one of two things: it's either it's such an advanced technology because you know we're talking nine hundred and thirty years from now and I mean think about what what our world looked like nine hundred and thirty years ago, right? Yeah. Um so if that is the case, the technology is wildly advanced beyond that of discovery, rendering those guys fairly useless, right? Mm -hmm. Or it's a post-apocalyptic sort of thing, despite what we did with control, and you know, there, there, everything's in ruins. It's chaos. It's not a grand federation of planets anymore. It's, you know, something, uh, you know, a bunch of damn nation states. Uh, I just, I, I'm, I'm worried about it. I'm, and you know, I, I have no idea what to expect because we don't. We the only glimpse of uh the future was what we saw of Terra Elysium with Mama Burnham being the only one alive there. Yeah. And we we know that we have we have ended the threat of control so we don't know what that future looks like. Well, I I would also question the paradox that because we don't know what that future looks like and that is not the future that Mama Burnham experienced, how in the hell could Mama Burnham have done all the things that she did to put this in motion? Oh my god, I hate quant- quantum quantum mechanics. <laughs> Well, we will get a peek as
1: to, as to what happens after the events of Season 2 in uh, IDW's upcoming Season 2 Aftermath comic book.
0: Yeah, and that's going to follow the guys who stayed behind, right? So we're going to see yeah. Smash Tyler, we're going to see some Spock, we're going to see some Captain Pike, you know, all those folks. I do not anticipate that we're going to get much, if anything, about the actual Discovery and its crew. No,
1: I would be surprised if we yeah. find out anything on that crew until the season returns. Probably at this point, I'm assuming we're looking at um, first quarter 2020 because uh, yeah. They haven't even started filming, right? So right.
0: they're going to take a couple of months off and then come back. And my guess is they're shooting the Picard show in California uh, because they got a big tax break to do that, like a sixteen million dollar tax break to do that. Uh, but the uh, the Discovery shoots up in Canada, and so you know it's it would be really hard to. You wouldn't have access to some of the same resources if both of those shows are shooting at the same time. So my guess is is that when uh, Picard's show closes in September, that we'll sh- get the uh, Discovery show shortly thereafter. So they're probably going to take a four or five month break. Yeah. Writer's Room will come back before then, but the actors and whatnot won't show up until sometime after September would be my guess. Yeah, I guess we will see. Yeah. And then sometime along the line, we're going to get that section 31, and uh, we got the comic coming up. More news will be breaking, I'm sure. We're probably going to take a little break from this podcast and uh, go from uh, weekly to probably monthly or, sem- or uh, uh, bi weekly. So uh, just depending on the amount of Star Trek news and content out there for us to discuss. But you you can definitely expect that Paul and I will come back to talk about the Star Trek Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind, because both of us are going to go see that. Uh, so, So look forward to that in the very near future. Uh, We are really interested to hear what you have to say about uh, Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery or anything else in the Star Trek Continuum. Give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the air, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. Surprise. Not a surprise. Surprise.
1: (laughs) No, we're not sending you any pies. (laughs) Well, and you can also hit us up on our social media. We're at IOM Geek on Instagram and Facebook, and at Ideology Madness on Twitter. It's been fun, guys. Yeah, hope you enjoyed this extra length episode that we said wasn't going to be an extra length episode. It wasn't going to be long. but we just, lied.
0: just like the, the creators of Star Trek Discovery, we do Great not know work, how to manage sir. time,
1: <laughs> and, and <laughs> just like Klingon <laughs> Vulcans, we lie all the time. <laughs> Catch you next time. Hit
0: it. Yeah. 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 Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972 763 5903. Tribble wrangling provided by Tri Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade.